another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Uh, well, we're back. It's It's been a... We, we, we got a bit of our own off-season in here. And we are we're 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 back to to wrap up signing day and and recruiting for the twenty one class and hit a few other news items and then uh, I, I guess give you a little little peek forward into our uh, our off season schedule from here on. Yeah, it's been crazy. I feel like when we were doing this during the season, it was every week in in COVID time, seven weeks of things actually happened. But I didn't actually count the <laughs> weeks. It might be. Getting close to seven weeks or something, at least a, a month or so since yeah. <laughs> we've we've touched base and at least uh, for, for everybody's ears had something to say. So it's for an off season, it's been pretty hectic. Yeah, um, you know, we got a, we got a nice little break from this. Hopefully you all uh, enjoyed your break from us. And now you're ready for to listen to us uh, ramble about depth charts for an hour and 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, prepare yourself for the long haul. We will get there. <laughs> yes, I guess we'll we'll start up top. We last summer, I guess so about this time last year actually Carter, we did a a national signing day debrief and then we said, "Okay, we'll we'll kind of play it by ear and see where it goes." And then COVID shut down the sports world and we started doing a podcast every week waiting until sports came back. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. So we're going to go ahead and bring back that offseason interview series in some capacity. We're still trying to work out on guests and schedule and what that's going to look like. So we'll keep you posted uh, in the weeks to come. But you you will be hearing more of us and probably hopefully some of your uh, favorite uh, former and current Rice Owls of of who knows what what sport or <laughs> college. We we still actually I, we hadn't even talked about this. We haven't gone down and hit all of our college checklist right aren't we at like five and counting oh yeah we've hit um so currently sorry scratch that we're we, we've crossed out every new person we were thinking about inviting and we're currently <laughs> yeah no we're gonna have to remake the list <laughs> but we have some we have some good ones uh hopefully that we're working on, on getting nailed down so that should be fun you'll hear more of us in the coming weeks like carter said whether or not whether you like it or not i guess you don't have to listen but the, the the few and the proud that keep coming back, we do appreciate you guys. Um, and as always, you can go ahead and and reach out either through either of our social accounts uh, at the Roost or the Roost Pod on Twitter, or you can find us ever, everywhere else on social media. If you want to uh, let us know what you think or like about the pod or don't like about the pod or want to hear on the pod or anything else, we're we're pretty accessible as far as things go, or we try to be. Yeah, I mean. At us wherever you know we're all over the place. <laughs> not As not not say. hard to get our attention. At us, I love it. Um. Okay, so that's housekeeping things. We have, I I guess a smorg a smorgasbord of rice notes, football related, non football related. So we're gonna kind of guess the overview, the flight plan for you guys. You see how I I kind of wove that uh, in there. There that we was, go. Yeah, wasn't yeah. Even intentional. The flight plan. It, we're going to kind of hit some of the big picture topics in Rice Athletics that kind of are, are worth mentioning that have occurred over the last month or so since we've talked. We're going to go through National Signing Day and the 
the relatively uneventful Wednesday morning, which was strange as, as someone who's followed college football for quite some time. So we'll hit on that, uh, kind of what the depth chart and the rosters looked like over the uh, past couple weeks and, and coming and kind of detail the breakdown of who is who is back and who's not and some things like that. So I say that knowing full well that we probably have a, a good while of, of conversation ahead of us so we can uh, we can kick things off with I'm going down the list playing roulette. Football, non-football. <laughs> um, we'll go with football. The The 2021 schedule, I think, it, it, if we're turning the page somewhat to 20, from 2020 to 2021, uh, we might as well address that we have a, a schedule that's been released. And hopefully... Hopefully this one will happen as planned. Hopefully this one will happen as planned. And this one includes Rice opening the season at Arkansas. We got the Bayou Bucket. We're at Texas uh, and then Texas Southern and then a more traditional Conference USA, you would hope, slate uh, with a crossover opponents, Western Kentucky and Charlotte. Yeah, it's um, a little little reminiscent of, of the 2019 schedule in some respects, because that um, that season opening non-conference schedule, those first three weeks, especially that's not um, that's not an easy one. That's uh, three, you know, two power five teams and. Uh, and uh, U of H, which is. Yeah. It, Are they still running with the power six thing? Is that or is that over? <laughs> I think the AAC, AAC is still trying for that, but it's like, oh, guys, just, you know. Like, you know, you can be uh, a step above the other G5 conferences without trying to pretend that you're all, you know. The intermediaries doesn't have the same ring. No, not quite so much. Uh, so, yeah, we got that football. We will we have months and months to go through that but with that is that is out we also as as things currently stand we're gonna put everything in, in caveats of you know covid dependent uh, rice is scheduled to start spring ball in march along with their traditional calendar and you know hopefully get to finish it this year after getting through i guess they got through about half of their practices last year so more than a lot of people did this is true and i i still don't know this would actually I'm I, I want to go back and kind of look at I want numbers and data. I want to kind of compare who got the most spring ball in and whether or not that mattered. This would be the, like the ultimate NFL preseason games. Like, do should you play them? Should <laughs> there's some school that's like already started for 2021, and I'm trying to think of who it was, but it's it slipped my mind. But well, yeah, I was a, this, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I was prepping already beginning prep for the 21 season preview for Rice, and I was pulling together everybody's stats and, and schedules and such. And that's when I got to Texas Southern and they're still supposed to play spring ball in the SWAC. Yeah, I keep forgetting about this. That we, we are actually supposed to have like still scheduled to have FCS football this spring, which is going to be wild. But, you know, this is sort of a delayed st like, um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if, as I recall, the last couple of years, they've started spring ball in, in February, which is you know what allowed them to get so much of it in last fall. So this is a bit of a later start. I know Rice is not officially opening its campus until like 
uh, we're recording on Wednesday the 3rd. I think they're opening up on like the 15th of this month. Um, there are obviously some students already back on campus, which would include um, some athletes that are currently in season. But I don't know if the rest of the football team is, um, you know, how much they're on campus and stuff. But uh, hopefully everything goes off without a hitch and we actually get everybody around the country is able to get a full spring in. It'd be very nice. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I think back to who was at spring a, a year ago and then who got on the field with the fall. I'm like, well, the wide receivers were mostly there and the corners were mostly there. <laughs> yeah. It's been a bit of a mixed bag. So we got those two. What's left? Uh, we got coaching changes. Uh, the only thing that's been, been confirmed so far, special teams coordinator, Drew Sabota has taken uh, a job at Memphis. So that's the second Rice special teams coordinator Memphis has poached in the past three seasons after taking Pete Limbo. So that's a bummer. I like Drew, though. I wish him the best, and I'm sure Rice will find somebody else good. They uh, We have the special teams. Another great special teams coach yeah. for, for Memphis, Memphis to poach in three years. Yeah. Hey, at least give us another couple years with them first. <laughs> or send another Jack Fox. Yeah, that hey. works, too. Charlie Mendez was really good. I'm sure we'll get to that at, at some point. Our long and illustrious history of punting. You know, yeah. there'll be special teams coaches lining up out of the door to 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 coach these guys. Punter you. Not that college special team coaches actually coach punting and kicking, but, you know, just, just let's roll with it. I mean, to, to some degree, somebody has to. Or did you kick it far? I don't know. I mean, that I know, like... There might be some, and I think maybe that's a growing thing, but my understanding is that at a lot of college programs, there isn't, like, the special teams coordinator really is just that part of the job is dealing with the coverage units, and the kickers and punters just kind of do their own thing. Did I read something? I feel like this was last year about Alabama having a kicking whisperer. Am I making this up? If we did, I don't know what in the world he, he was doing. What, what in the world he was doing until this year? Like uh, Will Reichard had a fantastic season, but uh, prior to that, it had been um, an adventure, to say the least. I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna have to go look it up. I think I, I thought I might have heard that at some point. So maybe not. It's all running together. So yeah, one, one coach down. Uh, there might be a couple other coaching changes this year. We'll see, kind of see how that goes and things shake up. We haven't had a official depth chart. Depth chart. We won't get one of those for uh, Lord knows how long, but an official roster or anything published just yet. It is only February. And which brings us to our last uh, Rice non-football, but Rice athletics related note. So, Rice went from October 24th to mid-January, I think the 18th, was that the date, Uh, without postponing a sporting event because of COVID or contact tracing issues at Rice, which was a span of about three months and, and 30 or so games, which I thought was pretty remarkable, all things considered. Considering the way it's gone around most places around the country. Yeah. So and then I was like, man, this is 
this is this is notable. Should should we be looking more into this? And then no sooner had I had those thoughts than the women's basketball team had a positive test and had to postpone a weekend. And that weekend turned into three uh, at the time of of writing. And uh, men's basketball has had some players out with contact tracing and baseball uh, getting started up and having some some contact tracing stuff and things going on, too. So it's it's already a foreboding. And I, and as I watch this, I'm just like, it's even more and more remarkable that the football team was able to have 100 players. <laughs> I mean, I guess after losing all your wide receiver core and all your corners, 85 players <laughs> get yeah. through the season. Um, yeah, and that's rough for women's basketball, especially because they had, you know, they beat a Power 5 program in Texas Tech earlier in the season. They were kind of looking like their usual selves through the first, you know, couple weekends of CUSA play, um, which is especially, you know, especially impress, express, ugh, impressive considering they lost Erica. And so, you know, that's a huge kind of part of your identity that you're having to reshape around after, you know, having her as such an impactful player for the three years before that. But, um, you know, you lose three straight weekends of conference play. And, and obviously I think most of the you that are listening, uh, are aware of the kind of back-to-back conference schedule they're playing where they double up on weekends of, on the same opponent. But, uh, you know, that's six conference games now. And it's it's I don't know what the eligibility rules are going to be for the conference tournament or anything like that, but that's that's starting to add up as far so, as, as affecting their season. I actually reached out to somebody because I was curious about this, and I asked them, like, if you miss too many games, like, what's at stake here? And I was like, because honestly, like, I mean, let's play devil ad- devil's advocate here. If Rice doesn't play another regular season game and they just kind of hold out till March to play the conference tournament, I'm not saying that's what should happen. But just hypothetically, if if we get there, uh, it doesn't really matter for Rice because they're not getting an at-large bid, even even if they w- w- went undefeated right. and won, won the rest of their remaining games against Conference USA opponents. Like it was still going to be win the tournament to get win the conference tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I'm like, is there really is there really anything it, it lost by by missing these weekends? But uh, I haven't seen this reported anywhere else. But uh, from from what I was told uh, and I put out there a couple weeks ago, the eligibility is you you're going to make it by winning percentage regardless. You're not going to be held out of the tournament from a game count, but. To be eligible for a, a first round bye, which is basically the team that finishes first in the West and, and first in the East. I, I believe that's how it's going to happen. They are doing divisions uh, this year. So to be eligible for that bye, you have to play within uh, four games. Let me see. I have it on point. You will have to play within four games of the average number of games completed by conference members. So similar to how football had to get into the, the championship yeah. game, they had the two-game wiggle room, so UAB had to play with no players and, and beat Rice. That was that was unfortunate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's been two months since, three months since we mentioned the quadruple doink, so... And I just reset the clock. I'm sorry there. Um, anyhow, but yeah, so the women's basketball team they have to play within four games of the average number of games to be eligible for that first round buy. So 
they were about two games ish under the average coming into, uh, I guess, this coming weekend before that game series was postponed. Uh, so if they have another weekend postponed, they're going to be pretty close to that threshold of possibly being undefeated and being the two seed. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings now, and most CUSA teams have played. Everyone's in the six to ten game range, and there are at least three more teams besides Rice that have only played six to this point. Um, although we'll see how you know, I don't know how many of those are not playing this weekend, but right. Um, so the average now is probably around eight. Yeah, I so think they're it two. Is. They're two games under that, so they might you know, at least one other team besides them. I forget who they were, they were scheduled to play this weekend, but at least one other team besides them yeah. is not playing this weekend. So it'll be Southern um, Mass. Yeah. Who has played 10 games. So um, that average is going to creep up and there are going to be another. I'll be about um, three behind this weekend. And yeah, yeah so so hope that and it, it seems like they should be OK if there are no more cancellations after this weekend. So uh Cross and your it's, there, it's I guess. tricky because I, I we talked we've talked at length about the injury luck on the football team and how it was just really not good, very bad, ugly. Uh, the women's basketball team has had a couple injuries as, as well, and that's part of the reasons it, that they're been un, un, unable to play for so many weekends. Is that it's you need to have seven players, which doesn't sound like a lot, uh, that are available. Uh, non-COVID and and healthy to play. And they've had right. a couple injuries and folks out and, and missing significant amounts of time. So even being down two or three uh, healthy enough to play, non, not, or had they not had COVID, if I say that right, uh, th- they're still down right at the threshold. And, and Rice played with seven, seven and eight players in their last two games that they played at Old Dominion. The, the team that ended their 30 game conference winning streak and they won both games with seven players against the team that was relatively healthy. So like they're going to be fine as soon as they can get back on the court, hopefully soon. Yeah. So uh, keep your fingers crossed for, for next weekend. But yes. um, I think that's all of our, uh, all of our non signing day notes before we get into that. So uh, yeah, we've yeah. gone through our COVID portion. <laughs> Yay, so excited to do that again. Um but yeah, today was National Signing Day for football. As much as I don't even know why they still call it National Signing Day because it's not something like 80 to 90% of recruits signed during the early signing period in December. So I don't know. National Signing Day is such a such an anticlimax so kind of everywhere these days. National late late, late signing, signing day. day. Just it's like the, the national signing period and late signing day. Yeah, I don't know, because it's not like it, there's it's not like the the leftovers, like a, a bunch of the kids who hadn't signed yet in December were undecided or uh, picking between so many suitors that they didn't have a reason to to claim a spot w- before they had to. So I don't know what it is. It's the. The best of the rest period. <laughs> Um, but obviously a very quiet day for even more quiet for rice than for most, most teams, but, um, did have a couple of additions, a couple of, couple of transfers in between this period. Um, yeah. So you want to, you want to take us through the, the new guys that have come in since, uh, since our last show. 
Yeah, which is is not all that many. I think when we talked last time, Rice had somewhere 17 or 18 signees. Uh, Desmond Baker was the last one to come in, I guess, on the the end of the first day of the early signing period. I'm, I'm thinking back to when we, what, what day or what time we actually recorded. I think we might have caught him. Uh, so there were there are two two more that have come in uh, since then. And it's actually interesting. Rice published a collection of tweets, which I didn't even know you could just publish a collection uh, this <laughs> this morning. I'm learning. I'm tech savvy. I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, but but basically going back and, and posting all of the tweets from early signing period in the two editions since there wasn't even a formal release written today detailing the two new editions because uh, they happened basically uh, more than a month ago. So Trey Patterson, a wide receiver transfer from New Mexico, he came on board uh, December 19th. So basically right after the early signing period uh, was over. And uh, he is a, a Texas guy from Crosby, Texas. Rice has a, a good history of pull from uh, players from Crosby, Texas. Uh, the Walter brothers uh, being probably the most notable. We would uh, love to have them back uh, at any point. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he, he kind of got on to New Mexico. They had a, they cycled through a couple offensive coordinators. Uh, I believe he got a couple of playing time. Uh, there's a write-up a little bit of him joining on the site. Uh, has a lot of speed and can catch and go. And uh, 5'11", 170 will be another piece. We, we, you always say you can't have enough weapons on offense. I think after this year, or last year, we, we, yeah, we, <laughs> that, um, there is no position on the depth chart where I will look and say, oh, they're totally fine there because as we have learned that, you know, hopefully whole position groups won't be getting wiped out of COVID <laughs> at any point. But like, you know, a lot of Rice's problems last year were in the 2020 season were not that they just had guys getting hurt, which is just uh. it's it's funny because I, I vividly remember talking with uh, Mike Bloomgren right. I think it was the after the early signing period. And he said, you know, we thought about just scrapping the entire class and signing 20 wide receivers. And like <laughs> he was joking. But like the joke, you know, when like someone keeps a joke going for a little bit longer than you thought it would. And so you're kind of <laughs> uncomfortable, but not really. It was kind of there. You're just like, we know just that like kind of is revealing some real feelings, you know. Right. So like when you when you want to do something with a friend, but you're not sure if they are like all in on the plan. So you propose it as a joke and then you kind of gauge their reaction like might have been a little of that. You exactly. Know? Yeah, so there. <laughs> so, but th there are a couple other uh, wide receivers that they got in the class uh, as well. Uh, I, we talked about it. I think might have talked about this during the the early signing period. You can go back. We're not going to go through blow by blow every player because we kind of did that already in December, and there weren't really any new ones. There were two, which we'll get to. Uh, but Peyton Stevenson, uh, he's a six three uh, Alabama product. That that Bloomberg said, yeah, he. He probably could have played and started for us this year. So they they will have plenty of guys and we'll, we'll go hit on the guys coming back at some point. But Patterson, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think they could use him uh, in a couple different ways and having another slot speed guy. So Jake Bailey doesn't have to play, uh, you know, every snap and you can move him around. Um, 
put put Bailey on the other side in the slot. You could put Patterson on the outside a little bit. You could do a lot of things. Uh, just more bodies at wide receiver that are good at football. That's that's the new marching orders. So we got him from New Mexico. And then the other one, which when I caught wind of this going on, I was just like, we, I, we spin the grad transfer quarterback wheel once again. How are you feeling? <laughs> and and you, tick, 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 yeah. tick, 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 tick. And you get Weber uh, State. Weber State. Uh, th- so this is actually pretty, pretty interesting because as with everything else in in COVID world, it's it's Weber State at asterisk uh, through <laughs> the, the full season. Um, so Jake Constantine, grad transfer quarterback who last played at Weber State, uh, committed to Rice. He signed. I guess they don't have letters of intent for for grad transfers. I think technically it's a grant in aid. Uh, I think if we're getting technical, but uh, he 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 decided that he was going to come play for Rice. Uh, basically right around the new year. Yeah. So committed on January 5th. So that was the last commit Rice has had. So it's been a month. Um, and if you are a, I, I love spreadsheets and <laughs> just have lists that help me organize things. So right now I'm just, I have the, the Rice football recruiting tracker pulled up. They ever, all the Patreon subscribers, uh, have access to has all the offers, uh, all of the commits, the two four seven profiles, huddle highlight films, Twitter profiles, write ups, everything, all in one place. Uh, that's accurate. Uh, I noticed earlier today when I was doing something for uh, writing up the signing day. Rice still has a player that, or two four seven still has a player that's been decommitted for two months. Listed. I as just noticed that today. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I'm. 247 does a phenomenal job. I will say they care a lot more about getting A&M, Alabama, and, you know, Texas right than they do about who is on Rice's signing class. You know, that that's just how it is. So if you want the most up-to-date list, uh, it's there for, for Patreon subscribers. And that's what I'm reading at. But going back to Weber State, Jake Constantine. So uh, played for Weber State and then... Uh, this entered the transfer portal after taking Weber State to back-to-back Big Sky championships. So if you're going to play in the FCS, winning FCS championships is a good thing. Uh, you know, playing in the FCF, FCS playoffs. I think he, he squared up with North Dakota State at one point, actually, um, which was fun. So then he decided to go play at Towson, and then Towson canceled its fall football season, so he couldn't play at Towson. Uh, so then he went to walk on at Washington State, but ended up not playing for Washington State with everything that was going on with the Pac-12 playing and not playing and whatever have you. So Rice is his third school to commit to, but first to play football, hopefully to play football at its scheduled time with no interruptions. A winding journey for Mr. Godsonstein. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what's going on there. It's going to be a very interesting offseason at the quarterback position for rice um maybe a little more interesting than we had hoped for but um yeah we'll see where it goes yeah (laughs) i don't i don't even know and this is another thing that i've i've kind of i've I've given you the inside of everything that i've I've been able to put out there for the for the subscribers if nothing else and and we'll get on the folks coming back and and on campus uh but I, i i from what i have been told i don't expect mike collins to take a snap for rice this fall uh, if, 
I don't have all of the answers of what else is going on, but knowing having no other inside information and just watching the writing on the wall from the outside, uh, Rice is bringing in a grad transfer quarterback with one more season. Uh, they already have Giovanni Johnson. They already have uh, freshman quarterback committed. You know, this is fun. Giovanni Johnson, Arkansas native, could possibly be the starting quarterback when they go play Arkansas to start the season. <laughs> maybe we'll get there when we do. So, and maybe yeah. we'll get an appearance from freshman linebacker DJ Arkansas. That against Arkansas, uh, he's going to have the game winning. Truly pick six dangerous and, levels of Arkansas, quite frankly. Yeah, and amazing. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we will get there to DJ Arkansas. Uh, but yeah, so we the, the short answer is we don't really know, but we have another grad transfer quarterback, and thus begins talking about it for the next six months. But from what I can tell, I, I kind of like uh, his film. He, he's a bit more mobile than, than Mike Collins. Doesn't have the arm, uh, but might be a bit more accurate. I think that was if I was going to nitpick Mike Mike from last year. He did a lot of things great, but delivering the deep ball was was not one of them. Uh, you know that also might have been with the North Texas game being hit every 30 seconds. So, yeah. but other than that, the, the offensive line was pretty good other than that game. So, yeah, yeah, that was the biggest thing. I didn't watch a lot of Constantine's tape, for, but from what I saw, he is a pretty accurate guy, and that is something that Rice has very much missed uh at the quarterback position um over the these these three years of the the bloom granera they haven't um you know i don't have in front of me like what the highest completion percentage of any of their guys are but i would not suspect that it's terribly high um you know it's especially in today's offenses you know so much of is to be had even with rice you know as much old school stuff as they do like there's still plenty of like modern stuff rpos in this offense um there's so much stuff to be had if your quarterback can just get the ball out accurate on time in the flow of the offense. Um, almost like, you know, it's almost like playing port, playing point guard, essentially. Um, and and getting a little more of that natural accuracy, because accuracy is unless you're. Um, oh, shoot, the Bills quarterback, um, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, unless you're Josh Allen, you usually quarterbacks don't just suddenly learn to be accurate. Like it's kind of a thing that you have or you don't. Um, and Constantine seems like he might bring a little bit more of that than they've had recently. So uh, we'll see where things go with this position. That's it's unfortunately a position we're going to have to be talking about over and over again um, for the, the umpteenth straight off season. But uh, I think there are some reasons for optimism with them if he ends up being the guy, which who knows. Yeah, and I, and I from a completion percentage standpoint, I will I will drop this nugget here in in February and see where it goes. Comes August, but but T.J. McMahon, the JUCO transfer from uh, Cerritos College in, in California that Rice brought in, I guess not last was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Yes. It, it's it's all running running together. Uh, but he's hands down the most accurate quarterback on Rice's roster. I I. I bet any sum of money on it he completed 66 percent of his passes in juco and i think rice passers have been somewhere around 50 to 58 maybe the past couple of years you can take your pick nobody's been yeah. in the 60s high 60s which is a great completion percentage if it's you know 1964 and you're joe namath and uh you know even hall of fame quarterbacks complete or have more interceptions in their career than touchdowns. But 
Uh, today's offenses, you want that number to be a little bit higher. Yeah, I'd take 65%. I'm not saying TJ McMahon's going to be the quarterback, but, you know, we don't know. We, we have no idea. <laughs> Nothing at, at all. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where that, that position is. And so those were those were really those were the two additions. So we, Rice added added a quarterback and a, a wide receiver from the transfer ranks. And I think this is something that I kind of look through Conference USA, and I think we'll see uh, probably a little bit of a trend this year and, and definitely next year. So the the scholarship cap of eighty five scholarship players isn't in, in in enforcement for this year. Player coaches and, and teams are allowed to go over that. Uh, but there isn't really anything that I've seen set in stone for 2022 and, and particularly what relief could look like then. So uh, I think the largest signing class in Conference USA right now, from what I'm looking at, is FAU and they have 21 commits. And I think they had like 18 commits in October or something like that. Like they, yeah, they went guns blazing. It was crazy. Well, and there's, there's also a lot of roster uncertainty now, you know, the, even with the, the, um, the 85 limit being off the table for the 2021 season. I think the initial counter that the 25 signees rule uh, is still in play, but so you, you have a lot of schools that are taking smaller numbers than usual because everyone's thinking that the one time transfer rule is going to get passed, that you're going to have where people are autom- where kids are automatically eligible on a transfer, which if you are the sort of person who is, who is has some hesitancy about that rule, um, consider that, if I'm remembering correctly, that rule only ever existed for football and men's and women's basketball. That's it. In every other sport, the sit-out-a-year-of-eligibility has never been a thing. I think technically hockey is on that list as well, if uh, we're being super technical. But I know <laughs> I know there are—I'm going to guess there's not being, many college being hockey not fans. from the state of Michigan, I cannot profess to— any single bit of knowledge about the about collegiate hockey i'm pretty sure that men's <laughs> college hockey is included i'm not actually positive about women's hockey so somebody can go google that for us <laughs> um but anyway yeah so that is a huge part of it so already with the extra year of COVID eligibility you're going to see an uptick in transfers and i think there already like has been a, a surge of numbers in the transfer portal if it gets to where everyone is assured instant eligibility, that number is going to go way up. And I think you you already see, if you just look at the numbers of, of kids that most schools are signing, everyone is kind of padding that in right now because everyone knows that it's going to be, everyone expects it to be a really, really active transfer market. Yeah, and, and Rice has done this in years past, like uh, Blaze Aldridge, probably most notably, uh, didn't get to campus until the end of July. Uh, or maybe end of June, beginning of July, he was a very, very, very late uh, addition to the the Rice class, and and you'll see that from Rice as, as long as people uh, they would like to get off season workouts begin in in June, so they'd like to get everybody on campus by then. But from from now until June, uh, you know, Rice can be kind of choosy and look through. So I I don't with everything all the uncertainty, there's not exactly. Uh, probably a, a true hard cap. You'll probably see, as we do in the offseason, a couple more spots open up with just the natural churn of the roster. But Rice is probably only looking at maybe, uh, from what I, I can tell, one or two spots left 
uh, in, in this recruiting cycle. And, and like you said, I think they'll probably kind of wait and see. Uh, Rice, actually, I was thinking through this the other day. I don't think that they've taken a non-JUCO, non-grad transfer under Mike Bloomgren. Is that accurate? Like nobody's had to sit out a year. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think it's all been, been Juco and grad guys. Yeah, from at least I, I kind remember of, one. Yeah. Yeah. At least nobody that we were clamoring just wait till next year when he gets eligible. Like I feel like we would have paid attention <laughs> to that. So uh yeah, so probably one or two more and I kind of spitballing here. I think running back is probably Rice has, has brought in a, a several transfer running backs uh, at this point and kind of looked and kicked the tires on a couple last year. And I, I love Juma Otaviano and I think he's great. And I love Kalen Griffin too. Uh, but, you know, Ari Broussard was the guy with the ball at the end of the season from injuries and fumbles and, and things not working out in front of him. And I love Ari, uh, but I converted, uh, I think he's former walk on linebacker. Yeah. Being your primary running back at the end of a COVID season with everything else going on. Like that's, that's not enough depth. Um, and, and when you add to that, that Juwan King is in the transfer portal. So you're losing a number out of there. Um, that position is real. Th- and they did not sign a true running back in this class, I believe. That's correct. Um, so if you're going to add, um, and in fact, I would almost say it's, it would be shocking if they didn't add a running back out of the transfer portal at this point, because um, with the state of that room, it would be very, very surprising to kind of go a full off season without adding somebody to it, you know, whatever the avenue for that is. So, yeah, I think that would be priority one, um, clearly. And then at that point, it's just kind of who and, and this will be a plus because Rice can now get through spring ball and kind of take a look at where things stand and decide what they really need. I, right. I think running back's the one that kind of sticks out. Like you mentioned, none in this class, unless you're no, you can't you can't not run the offense Rice wants to run and not sign a, a running back. Right. It just it doesn't work. So that'll probably be the 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 one to watch out for. And they'll probably just kind of wait and see the the portal is. I I is overflowing with with players at this point. I have just kind of peruse and see what's going on. Uh, it's been all over Conference USA and and I'm not even going to returning production. And kind of those are parts of what I look at when I'm putting together my, my preview. And I'm not even going to touch it until. Yeah, I would leave that one for a while because it's going to be <laughs> End of May. Uh, in flux, shall we say. I vividly remember I, there's a part where I get to of every summer where I've, I put all the graphs together and I put everything and it's done. And I'm like, OK, that's done. I need to get it through like five days in between now and when it goes live. Nobody else leave. <laughs> and last year, I think like one. I don't remember what the school was. I think it was like a. Like a backup 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 wide receiver from middle tennessee or fiu or something somebody who had like one catch last year that like (laughs) didn't move the numbers all that much transferred on like the second to last day before i published it i was like i'm just deleting you and you don't exist (laughs) i was (laughs) was done with it 
uh, a bit. Yeah, Asher O'Hara. I don't have have we seen have we haven't talked anything Conference USA yet, but he he ended up in the portal. Oh, I forgot about that. Did you see that? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's been crazy. And Rice. And honestly, we'll get here, but for the most part, they haven't had, other than a couple grad transfers playing and then then leaving after spending their time at Rice, they've been pretty good with the portal so far. It hasn't been too bad, Uh, but we will get there. I want to hit on a couple other things first. We hit on kind of missing pieces. I want to hit two other pieces from the class before we kind of talk roster um, and and transfers and all that. So first, uh, early enrollees, Jake Constantine, Desmond Baker, Trey Patterson and Jalen Hargrove. Uh, we'd mentioned Baker plays linebacker, Juco guy, and and Jalen Hargrove, uh, prep school guy. Uh, those are going to be the four. I was wondering about picks. that because because he's not like he's not listed as like a Juco guy or anything as far as I could tell. I'm like two four seven, but Rice doesn't really take mid year undergrad, um, or sorry, mid year enrollees from high school. Like that's not. That's yeah. not a thing the way most schools do. So I was wondering if he was a prep school guy. Yeah, prep school. That's the the in between. So he will be in with the D line, and so those will be the four early enrollees. Obviously, if Rice gets a transfer soon, he'll be there for spring ball. But I, it would just kind of depend if they can get the the right fit. I'm sure they they pull the trigger, yeah. but I, I'm not holding my breath there. So that's the enrollees. The other oh, other thing I want to hit on and. Uh, just because this is primarily, you know, working through National Signing Day, uh, the numbers, like I said, two four seven doesn't have a, a, a player that's no longer a part of the class uh, taken off yet. But even with with him pulled out, this is still probably going to finish with whatever the rate rating adjustment as the number three uh, recruiting class in, in program history. If they do a bit of an adjustment, and it's it's fractions of a fraction of a point away from being number two. Uh, in program history last year was number one so that's good and then here's another fun tidbit uh mike bloomgren has now signed this will be 28 29 20 and 21 four recruiting classes if you take out 2018 uh, which was the the transition year where he got here like a couple days before signing day and had six kids and (laughs) had to build a class in a month Uh, if you take out that class uh, the three recruiting classes after that uh, that Bloomgren and his staff has signed are three of the top five rated classes in program history. Pretty solid. Which is good. Good work on that front. Yeah. And I mean, I know recruiting rankings aren't perfect and, and I, I will get pushed back from like, well, they didn't exist from so-and-so and that's true. And they're not infallible. Like so-and-so is a two-star. Yes. All of these things are true, but uh, the one thing the staff can control is getting the most talent they possibly can and uh, having other people that regard you as having lots of good talent. It can only be a good thing. So uh, they've also signed three of the top 10 rated players that Rice has ever signed in the past three classes. So I, I, I like that. We talk about raising the talent threshold. And, and I think we saw it last season where you can have two position groups wait, wiped out uh, and shut out Marshall which that still wasn't a dream. It happened. It, that really happened. Yeah. So overall, when, when I saw that number, I was like, okay, like I, I feel like recruiting is, is going pretty well. And then after seeing that, that kind of solidified it. And one of those, one of those top 10, one of the top 10 rated recruits uh, that Rice has ever signed uh, was the aforementioned uh, DJ Arkansas. 
So we had to circle back. Who rice poached from yeah, Arkansas? Yeah, there we are. Boom. Yeah, he's got to get a sack or or something. Something epic has to happen in that game. Bryce has open spots at linebacker. So, <laughs> yeah. We can see it. So, I think that's uh that's it from the the recruiting side of things I wanted to put together. Rice is going to finish uh, top 5 in, in the conference. That's the first time that that has happened since where do I have my list pulled up? First time since 2013. Uh, the first top five class that, that Bloomgren has signed. So uh, everything trending upward at this point, they are uh, going to have a top 100 class for the second time uh, since Bloomgren's been here. And that didn't happen uh, from 2015 to 2019. So uh, good trends there. If we're continuing this trend, we went from ninth to fifth. Rice should end up first or second next year with the top 75 recruiting class in the nation. Yeah, that's how that works, right? Yeah, we're just we're drawing graphs, right? I'm also looking at this. This is how ridiculous, and and we can transition to back to Rice after I throw in this tangent. Uh, but just take a wild guess at how many commits Western Kentucky has uh, for 2021. Yes, I'm looking at two four seven right now. There's no way you could guess. It's four. I was like, I was like, okay, wait. Earlier you said nobody has more than twenty-one, so it has to be a low number. So I was thinking like uh, ten, maybe. I would not, I would not have gone as low as four. Yeah. So apparently they are not including transfers in the commit total because like, I guess they're not part of the ratings, whatever. So they have twelve transfers uh, and four commits. So I guess it's sixteen. But if you look up there. Two four seven. I'm looking at the recruiting rankings right now, and I saw four. And I was like, "What are you doing? How?" That is Ut- a... UTEP has nine. You can't have less signees than UTEP. <laughs> Twelve transfers. That is a that is a way to build a pro. Holy crap! They are bringing in three guys from Houston Baptist, including Bailey Zappi. Oh, dang! Yeah, they got the. Uh, I guess the offensive coordinator got hired over to uh to western kentucky that's a that's a fun one we we will uh i guess get to talk about them more since rice now gets to play bailey zappy uh presumably um and the other two are a pair of bro- uh, what i can only assume are brothers named josh and jareth stearns yeah so Ooh, we'll get an there. ndsu guy i'm just really having fun looking through two this from is North carolina really interesting transfer list here um this is Conference USA. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Conference USA football as a whole is really uh, implementing, taking Rice's uh, unconventional wisdom slogan uh, to heart because there, there's a whole lot of uh, diversity in uh, program building philosophies here. <laughs> yeah, Western Kentucky has more transfers than Marshall has signees of any kind sure which i guess that makes sense when you yeah oh the other things that happened uh doc holiday was named conference usa (laughs) coach of the year and then marshall let him walk without renewing his contract that was another thing that happened which i would think was absolutely crazy except then they went and got charles huff who is a really good coach and is going to be an absolute steal for them i think so 
who knows, man, that's that's a that's a weird program and a weird job. So I don't know what's going on. There. Well, it's like the, And this is not the first coaching search where this has happened. But like. Apparently, a huge part of the reason they didn't bring Holiday back was like the governor intervened. Yeah, I saw that's always a good thing when when politicians get in the way of the football, right? Like they, they always know what they're doing. <sighs> Who knows? West Virginia, man. I, I, I'm about to say, let me tell you, but I, I couldn't even begin to explain that. Not that, but, not that we in Texas have room to talk about this. Like, let's let's rehash the story of how the Southwestern Conference broke up and why Baylor uh, ended up in the Big 12 and Rice did not. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I. Oh, man, which which reminds me, was it Sam Kahn put out that article? Uh, I think it was in December about the South, Southwestern yeah. Conference being being broken up. Uh, Sam story. is is fantastic. Go go find that. Um, Sam Kahn and the Southwestern Conference. If you just want to have all the feels about the, the glory days of everything being bizarre and bonkers, which it is now, but but Texas flavored. That was it. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was just as crazy, but the Texas was a lot more concentrated. Right. <laughs> that sounds like a disaster. More concentrated <laughs> Texas. Uh, your, your Texas concentration is way too high here. That's against code. I, I thought Tom Herman was out at Austin. <sighs> we'll get there. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Bryce gets a new head coach uh, to play at Texas in, in two years. We'll get Sark. Yeah. Which I guess, I guess. Tom also, Herman... you know who else plays at Alabama, plays at, at Texas in 2022? Alabama. Oh, is this? Oh, this is right. That's when that home and home starts in Austin. This is I I cannot like emotionally handle getting to July and August and all of those games disappearing again. So like let's just find a way, guys. Please. That would be great. Uh man, we we'll get there. Yes, like we said, we'll have we'll have lots of offseason to talk through schedules and football and who's playing who and who's transferring and who's not and who's still here. Which brings us to our last piece in a I will plug Patreon one more time if you're not subscribing. We reported this a couple weeks ago when Rice had their off-season programs begin. So they brought everybody back to campus, which is normally like a complete non-event because spring ball doesn't start until, you know, February, March. Except this year, uh, if you are a, a senior who played last year and you still have eligibility because of the NCAA rules and you'd like to come back, uh, you would probably show up for off-season workouts and participate in all team activities so that you could be ready and already set to go in the spring. And if you were not intending to come back and play football, you probably wouldn't go through off-season workouts and all of that strain. You would go on with your life as a accountant or whatever wonderful things that I'm sure the smart Rice football players are, are doing. Uh, so we got our first insight that i reported a couple weeks ago about who was and who wasn't there and i we we only have i guess probably three big names to talk about so the first one will be austin trammell uh the sheriff uh, as he was dubbed he's going out and playing in one of the uh the various like college all-star games equivalents that they have uh, and is going to go and give it a run at the nfl so uh i 
I get it. I don't know what else. Like, he couldn't possibly have accomplished much more uh, by coming up back than he already had. So, uh, graduated and is heading out. So, wish him the best. And then the other two, uh, Garrett Grammer, who, from what I've been told, is actually looking to get into coaching. So, we will see Ooh, where he pops okay. up after that. Uh, his playing career uh, is done and will exercise that extra year of eligibility. So, Rice will be down a linebacker. And then probably the most, well, not probably, the most notable one that kind of stinks the most uh, is Blaze Aldridge, who is heading to Mizzou. Take good care of him, Bill Connolly. Yeah, you better or else. And and it's funny because I was I was having conversations and trying to figure out who was going to be uh, back on campus. And this was this was if while y'all were doing Christmas and whatnot, I was doing Christmas, too. I took a nice, nice break and, and de-footballed <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, but I was also trying to to, you know, figure out who possibly was going to be coming back. Uh, and from what I heard, I, I kind of did double take when I was told that, you know, Blaze is not left. He's he's still on the list to to come back. And, and that was like three or four days before everybody reported. And then like the day after he announced he was entering the transfer portal. I was like, well. And so and I had a, a bit of a. A couple of other overarching discussions about this, and maybe I can I can pick your brain on where you fall, Carter. But from from my perspective, uh, Blaze played here, was great here, uh, would have been eligible, graduated, and, and had there not been a pandemic, would not have been coming back to Rice next season. He would have been going and playing in the NFL. So he's kind of fulfilled what he committed and his words said he was going to do. He's got his degree and he he left an impact on Rice as probably one of the what top five linebackers that have ever played here, just from a productivity standpoint. Yeah. Like and probably I mean, French. This is a lot it, it, to me it's a lot like the situation with Calvin Anderson a few years back. Um you know, this is a guy who has played here and been great here. And, and given his all to this program and graduated, that's a big thing, graduated and had an opportunity to kind of had some has NFL prospects, but has an opportunity now to kind of go show that on a bigger stage and maybe build that up even more, um, which I, ultimately I don't think you can begrudge a guy for nor like, I don't know, view as some sign of a bad thing within the program other than just acknowledging the reality that rice is not an sec program um and and this one even more so i think is is not something you you would be something that's very easy to understand because like if COVID had not happened if there were not this extra extra year of eligibility like blaze was a senior like he was out of eligibility if not for this extra one so like it stings to lose him like i would love to have if he's going to play Another year of college football, obviously my preference would be for him to do it at Rice. But given all those other factors, um, I don't know. I'm sad about it, but it's it's very much a thing where you, I don't know, you wish him the best and, and still consider him a Rice owl in, in every important way going forward and root for him to do his best. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I, you said it best. And, and like, I just I think about what he was able to do here. And 
his last complete non-COVID season had 21 and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, he was second in the country in tackles for a loss. You know who's yeah. first? Chase Young. Ah, yeah, that'll do it. Number two overall pick? Yeah, Washington football team, soon to be Deshaun Watson trade piece. I'm kidding. We won't <laughs> we won't go into that <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm the, the Houston Texans fans. We're sorry. Um we'll we'll leave it at that. But yeah, so Aldridge was was phenomenal. And and I think you, if you are a NFL team, and I'm not, uh, but if you're an NFL team and you're looking at his film and you saw him do what he did and I guess the end of 2018, all of 2019 and 2020, and you saw like this year he wanted to showcase his ability and coverage. He did a lot more of that, had an interception against Marshall. I, I feel like all everyone got an interception against Marshall. Uh, there were five, <laughs> uh, but yeah, ridiculous. That was I, I did an offseason stat piece. This is one more rabbit trail um, that I thought was really fun. I went and looked at the total number of interceptions uh, and Rice got half of their interceptions in one game. <laughs> and it was the Marshall game. So which I mean, when you only play five games and in one of those games, you have five interceptions. That's, you know, I feel like that's 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 reasonable. Yeah, I mean, this is close. Yeah. So just and and this is crazy. They had six interceptions in all of 2019 and they got five against Marshall this year. Progress. Just just weird, weird stats. We, we we're going to have so many weird things about 2020. Um, we'll get there. But yeah. So if 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 Blaze has already done all those things like. There was nothing he was going to put on tape this year that was going to be oh tremendously different, like he was going to destroy right. Charlotte. He was going to destroy whoever was playing quarterback at UTEP like NFL teams already know that he can go sideline to sideline against conference USA talent. Uh, they don't know if he can do it against SEC speed. Um, I, I'd like to think he's he might not be the tip of the at- athletic barrel that they have in the uh, SEC, but he has the he has the uh, in- intelligence and the work ethic to, to go there. And so he's going to get a chance uh, and bet on himself again, uh, you know, as he did from going out of high school to Juco and Juco to to Rice to put on some film. And he has the opportunity. I don't know if he was going to be drafted this year. I, I would think I, I'm sure there's a number on this. I'm going to guess that the majority of conference USA defensive players of the year get drafted. Yeah. Like, and even, like, even if he was like, he would have been on an NFL roster going into fall camp and I would not bet against him to make a final roster for opening day. So, you know, even if that comes as a like priority undrafted free agent like he was going to get his shot and he i have no doubt that he would kill it but you know it's yeah. it's like you were saying like there is no question what he can do against the level of competition he would face at rice um yeah now he bet- plays florida and georgia right and the only thing left he can show at this level is to do it and i won't even say against power five competition because go look at go look at his stats against texas from 2019 but to do it game in and game out against um, against uh, an SEC slate is is about as good of an audition as he can hope for at this point. So totally, totally understand that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fortunately, Rice has 
I mean, Antonio Montero is going to go in his 13th year as a starter at Rice. <laughs> We're going to be, we already made that joke too many times against uh, Hunter, Hunter Renfro at Clemson, right? Like we had that going on of he's going into his 100th season. We're going to get him <laughs> by the time, like, there, there's going to be somebody on Rice's roster that signed last year and played, uh, but is going to have an injury or a redshirt season or something's going to happen, and it's going to be 2024. And hey, look at here, there's ninth year senior, so and so. He's going to be on that that JT Barrett plan, getting his PhD. The JT Barrett plan. <laughs> did he wait? Did he actually get his PhD? No. Is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was. What's funny he is was it, there like, for is, is the guys that seemed like like Hunter Renfro was a true senior his last year at Clemson. Like he played four years and then was gone. Like JT Barrett was a starter for four years, but he was I don't know he redshirted, so he was there for five years, which is like normal enough. Um, we never for the guys aside from maybe like Case Keenum, who actually was I think he was at UH for at least six years. It may have been seven. Um. <laughs> But a lot of the guys we have this joke about are just guys who like started their freshman year and seem like they've been there forever. Just like no, he he, he played four seasons. Like, yeah, I'm thinking because Keenum. I'm, I'm now I'm pulling up the the Wikipedia. I'm, I knew he redshirted, but redshirted in 2016 was there or 2016? Wow, 2006. Oh my goodness, it's been that long. Yeah. yeah. So Keenum, 2006, 07, 08, 09, 010. Oh, 10, just 10. And then 11 played five years in, in college with the. That's just only five. I thought he missed a season with injury <laughs> and got a sixth year. He did. I think it was the 2010 season that. He OK, played. there we go. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? He played a little bit more and got hurt. Yeah. After throwing for a couple more touchdowns toward the ACL and, and came back. Yeah. So there you go. And we will get to Houston. We get the Bayou Bucket back on the schedule. It's going to happen. Uh, I hope. We've been trying. We've been, <laughs> we've been trying. Gonna we didn't try get it in this year. basketball either. Yeah. I asked I asked head coach Scott Para about that game. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I guess it would have been the weekend before it happened. And he gave the, they were playing Houston Baptist next. He's like, well, you know, we take it one game at a time and we don't know what's going to happen. And the same, you know. And Paris is a, a pretty good interview, so it's not too coach speaky, but it was that kind of, you know, we'll get there when we get there, and then never got there. And I was like, he was he was right. <laughs> the, the coach line was accurate this time in, in COVID world. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about Case Keenum anymore, but <laughs> we will get to uh, a couple other players that I did want to hit on, and this is pretty big, and this was kind of the storyline that's going to and you mentioned Bill C earlier. I don't envy trying to put together returning production metrics in January. Yeah, it's with, gonna be a nightmare. I I can't even believe like there were uh, there were coaches that didn't know Bradley Rosner wasn't playing in September. Conference USA <laughs> coaches. <laughs> like my goodness, and that was for a future opponent. <laughs> But uh, good news to report, uh, Bradley Rosner's back on campus and in here for off-season workouts. He opted out with an injury last fall uh, and was hurt, and so didn't make sense for him to sit on the, the bench and, and join the COVID, uh, be subject to all those 
uh, all the work that they put in to get that season. Uh, so he opted out. Uh, Rosner's back. And, and basically, you know, we mentioned Aldridge, Grammer, and Trammell. Those are the three seniors. And then we have the injury question mark with Mike Collins. Uh, but everybody else, it's looking like Rice is going to get back. So uh, we'll have a healthy wide receiver core. We, Zay Knipe should be back. He was injured last year, never got on the field. Uh, minus, you know, Austin Trammell obviously gone. But uh, the secondary, Naeem Smith's going to be back. George Nyakwal. Uh, it. it starting to look pretty good. And then I think the other two notable seniors that kind of played a lot of time, Javon Wolford and Elijah Garcia on the lines. But uh, from, from what I've heard to this point, it's looking like everybody that played significant minutes last year uh, is going to be back except for those three, which I would have taken that if you would have told me final game of the season against UAB, you lose Aldridge, Grammar, and Trammell. Do you sign here? Yes. Because three out of a dozen? Yeah, they were already set to, again, get back the large majority of the defensive depth chart, even assuming they lose those guys. And now you're getting just about everybody back, and now your whole O-line back, which is a huge get for, you know, solidifying with, with turnover on the rest of the offense. But um yeah, that's uh, you know, if <laughs> feels like a broken record, but it all depends on quarterback because they got everything else. And I think we can cut it there because that <laughs> we have been that down that road a thousand times. We will go down it a thousand more this off season. So let's not do it now. That was actually just you. You spliced that in from pick whatever month of conversation. That that was not a new thought. Yeah, I'm just going to record a little soundbite of myself saying Rice's only question mark is a quarterback. And then I'm just going to splice that into every podcast, like every 15 minutes or so. And do it like a random, the ad drop that's in the middle of a sentence. Do it like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll step away for our, from a word for, our, for a word from our sponsors. And it'll just be me saying that Rice looks great everywhere but quarterback. Yeah, so... Yeah, we'll get we got more to talk about. The offseason is unfortunately young, but we'll get through it all of us together and uh, we'll have a good time. Well, all right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Um, it's good to get good to get back in the saddle with you all. Um, I think our current plan is to go about every two weeks, but that's still in flux right now. So uh, we'll see you all again pretty soon. And uh, rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.